What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara and I'm here with my co-host, not my brother, but my co-host this week, Sean Porter. Hey everyone, how you doing? What's going on, man? Welcome back. Thank you. Third time's a charm on the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. Always a pleasure to be here. So uh, Devin couldn't join us tonight, so I reached out to Sean and he graciously decided to come over and hang out in the shop and record the podcast, which is kind of fun because Devin and I aren't normally together and we get to be together, so we actually see each other. All right, so I have our quotes today. I'm going to try not to blast out the microphone. All right, so here, this is a combination of two quotes by the same person, and you can guess the person afterward. I'm awful at this. All right. To invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. There are no rules here. We're trying to accomplish something. So that's the combination of, like I said, it's two quotes from the same person. Think inventor. Oh, man. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not old man. It is a man. Yes. Um, There's a clue. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Thomas Edison. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that would have been the only inventor I would have named <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> I can see you're like, you're like, I know there's an inventor I can think of. I just need to think of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I like both of those because they're both like they both just talk about the fact that making is just a journey, you know, like or inventing. Like, so it's a, the, to invent, you need a good imagination and a pile of junk. Like, I love that. Like, that's that like uh, hoarder mentality in, oh, in all of us makers, you know, <laughs> like just oh, I get this little scrap piece of metal, I'll just put it aside because I'm probably going to use that at some point someday. And when you need it and it's there. Then you're like, yes, justification. <laughs> yeah, we all have those those junk bins of scrap pieces of wood and other things. It's like someday, someday this will be useful, right? Yeah, all the all the like cutoffs, all of my like axe handle cutoffs that I just can't. I don't have the heart to throw away. It's just like this beautiful piece of hickory that has like a beautiful palm swell, and it's not going to fit any good head. Like maybe sometimes they fit the half hatchets, which is like kind of one of the reasons I keep them, but. You know, they work well for drifts when you're drifting out other axes. Who is it? Uh, I was, Daniel Donnelly had, I think he was using it for something. Maybe it was like a, um, a file handle. Like he just like drilled a hole oh, and sure. put a file on it. I was like, ah, oh, there you go. That's a good one. I uh, I made a <clears throat> that laminated uh, walnut ash handle and mm-hmm. I had the cutoffs from that. And I keep saving it. It was like someday there'll be something where this will make a perfect wedge <laughs> for some other axe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know that's the thing. Yeah, I also like laminated stuff. It just looks so pretty. It's hard to cut off. I actually, for a while, when we, when I made the um, the knife, uh, the knife talk build along knife, I had cutoffs from the handle. It was a it was a a, a, a Bacote handle, mm-hmm. and it had a brass lanyard tube and brass pins. Oh, sorry, and uh, 
I cut off like bits of it when I was shaping the handle and I kind of hung onto them thinking that they would be kind of fun. Like I just sanded them and oiled them thinking they'd be fun. Like, you know, Patreon, you know, gifts or something or just yeah, like a random, out of yeah, exactly. stamp, stamp AOC with yeah, the ear in it right. and be like, Oh, that's the piece that cut off the cut off from the handle. So I think, yeah, I had, I had them around for a while, but I don't know where they are now. I may have tossed them. I don't remember <laughs> when I was cleaning up over like when I had covert over Christmas, I was like getting rid of everything. I'm always impressed when I see the knife makers, um, when they finally take, I, I think green beetle did it most recently with, uh, that, uh, collaboration knife he made where he just took all of his Damascus cutoffs. And then threw them in a canister with with powdered Damascus, and oh, then yeah. made it made made a single billet out of it. I'm like, I love that concept of you have all these awesome pieces of Damascus yeah. that just didn't fit the knife. And it's like, oh, let's toss them in, and make another knife. That's like, <clears throat> I know Mareko Malmasi does that. He'll like make earrings and jewelry out of it, yeah. out of his cutoffs. Pretty cool. Um, I think yeah. Jeff Fader made some fish lures once. Out of the cutoffs, yeah. of the Damascus, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Of course, they made fish lures. Um, I like the idea of like a random pattern Damascus made out of random bits of pattern Damascus. Like that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that I misremembered. It was not Jeff Fader. It. I think it was. Um, I can't remember Green Beetle's name, but it was him. He oh, made the fish lures out, oh, right out of Damascus cutoffs. Nice. Yeah, that's good. I um. <clears throat> Yeah, that like it's that's again one of those kind of hoarded things where this like little bits of steel and things I'm like want to hang on to because I feel like at some point in my life I'll like forge weld them all together and make some fun billet out of something which will probably be trash because it'll have all sorts of holes and shit in it. But <laughs> everything <laughs> but it is it. everything is useful as yeah. long as you have <laughs> imagination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's yeah. That's the quote. Right. Yeah. So you just need a good imagination and a pile, pile of junk. junk. <laughs> And the second one is there are no rules here. We're trying to accomplish something, which I think is fun too. Cause it's like, that's uh that comes up often. I hear in other podcasts and people talk about that when it's like, Oh, you can't do this. Or like, you can't do it this way. Like, why not? It's my shop and my tools. I can do whatever the fuck I want down here. Like, you're not, I mean, yeah. I could, I could burn all my tools for fun. Like it's my tools. <laughs> like yeah. it's not going to do anything, but yeah, there are no rules. We're trying to do something fun here. I look at it. I like to look at that 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 quote as like a if you don't know better there's nothing that can stop you. Like yeah. once you know once you you know quote unquote know better right. there are things and rules and stuff like that but if if you don't know better there are no rules. You right. just get to make something and yeah you probably didn't make it the way it should be made right. or the best way to make it but you still made something mm. and and that's what's important. Like Yeah, right. We don't call ourselves, you know, perfectionists or masters or things like that like we're makers we make stuff right as long as you're making stuff you're succeeding at being a maker yeah right exactly and i think a lot i think like you know failing goes along with that because rarely i mean not rarely i would uh, probably never so do often. like people so like <laughs> not make mistakes you know like that's how that's how you learn or even if it's not like a like a mistake at the time, you might realize later in your making journey that what you were doing was like not the best way, or there were things that you didn't know were wrong in quote unquote wrong that then as you become a more experienced maker and that type of thing, then you understand better, like why things are done a certain way. Yeah. And like, so they're wrong in the way that they they should be done a certain way because it's better more economical. It makes better sense. The end product is better when it's done a certain way. So but I like that. It's like that ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you just, just have fun making. Yeah. 
Uh, well, and I'm I'm all about diving headfirst into absolutely everything. Like, <laughs> I, I have been struggling for the last couple of years to try to decrease my number of hobbies. And every time something new pops up, like, oh, that looks awesome. I totally want to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, we're both the same way in that, you know, we get excited about stuff and try, you know, want to start, you know, it's like, it's frustrating because you want to we have the the skill to do something, you know, like the, the dexterity and the general like composition and, you know, the mindfulness of how to make things. And so when you see something that's really cool, you know, it's like, well, if I just had these few tools and like these few <laughs> things, I could probably make this really cool version of this thing, you know, because <laughs> like, well, oh, I want to make that, you know, I guess that's that maker switch. Yeah. Flick it's, it on. For me, like, Part of it for me is I'm I'm interested in tons of stuff. Like even outside right. of the even outside of the maker community. Like I was at a work function last week and one of my coworkers is and this is unrelated to making, but he's really <laughs> emotionally invested in uh, the metaverse oh, yeah. and like really pushing that. Like that's his side hustle and stuff like that. And the way he talks about it, he's so passionate and so excited about it that it's infectious. It's like, Oh, I want to go learn about the metaverse. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't have time for that. <laughs> like, I've only got so many hours of free time in a day and learning about the metaverse is not, is not on that <laughs> agenda, but it like his, his excitement is so infectious. And that's similarly with anything like, uh, Oki from uh, the extravaganza a couple yeah. weeks ago. He's he's so excited about axe throwing, knife throwing, and things like that, and it's infectious. Like you get into it, and he's willing to teach you and teach your kids. Like, yeah, I love that he was just willing to teach my six year old how to yeah. throw a knife. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's so true about any type of um, so, somebody who's passionate. You can't help but yeah. like have that infectious passion. Um, I remember <clears throat> years ago I was talking to our buddy Trevor, um, and this was like maybe after our junior year or not, maybe it was later. I've had a bunch of good conversations with him, but you know, after like long nights of drinking, but, uh, <laughs> this is one time I forget what, how, what, how it came up, but, um, he was just talking about like artists and makers, like creative types, um, can usually hold a conversation with people who are like not within that realm. So like a doctor or a scientist or, you know, like somebody else, like artists have this abstract way of thinking about things that we can kind of generally grasp large concepts. So if you're like, if an artist is talking to say like a astrophysicist, right, we might be, we have a, we have a, a, a grasp on abstract concepts because we're always thinking about abstract, like how to, mm-hmm. how to, you know, combine concepts with an idea and put it together and make something that you're supposed to then like be able to say is like, I have this thing that I made that's based off of this idea. Right. Um, and so he was, we were talking about how, like, if you try to have a conversation about art with a very like non-abstract thinking person, Mm -hmm. it's hard for them to understand that like mindset. Is that how you feel when you talk about art to me? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, because you're a maker, right? So you understand that you have that grasp of like taking a a concept in your mind that is relatively abstract and and funneling it down into like an actual thing. (laughs) Apparently, apparently 10 plus years with you all has has warped my engineer brain into more abstract thinking. But it was like, you know, he's like, he's like, I can have a conversation with a scientist about some experiment they did 
that's very analytical because like I've come from a way, a place where I have to think about things in wild ways all Mm -hmm. the time. So then I can like, I, I, my, our minds are open to like thinking about more, you know, analytical things. Um, but he said that you flip that, flip that switch around and sometimes it's hard to like have a conversation about art with someone like that. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't make any sense at all. Be like, okay, whatever. (laughs) I mean, first couple of years I was dating Kate, she would take me to museums and like, abstract art i'm like why <laughs> I, it might be different now like i haven't been to a museum in i don't know right. since i had a kid probably um so six years seven years so it's been a while and i'm sure growth has occurred in that time but yeah. early on I, I don't understand abstract art no yeah i mean i mean abstract art is very conceptual so if you don't know the ideas behind it then there's it just looks like nothing yeah so yeah i mean that's it's all about the idea right where like a rembrandt is about him representing a figure or, you know, from like a biblical story, right? That's like what it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like a, a Jackson Pollock is about the idea behind painting and what it was, the action of it. So if you don't know his ideas, it's just like a whole bunch of dripped paint, which looks like the floor after you've dripped a bunch of paint when you're doing painting your ceiling, <laughs> like the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, actually there's a, uh, currently there's a Joan Mitchell. Joan Mitchell's another abstract expressionist painter. Um, it was one of my favorite ones, uh, a show of hers at the BMA right now, the Boston Museum of Art okay. until August. So I definitely want to go see that. So maybe we'll, we'll figure it out one weekend. We can all go together. It'd be fun to take. Corinne and Nicole and I went to uh, the BMA recently, but it had been a couple years. So we were there and saw that the uh, Joan Mitchell show was coming up. So gotta go see that. Definitely. And that's completely. steal my six-year-old, take him with me. Yeah, right. And that's, you know, that's. Completely non-representational, right? right? It's just like paint on canvases, but she does it in a fun way. Like I, I love Joan Mitchell's paintings because to me, they're very reminiscent of landscapes. Like this, like lots of color, almost like flower beds and, you know, like lots of stuff like that. So they have that, that like mentality to it. Um, if you haven't, haven't been able to tell, Dustin talks with his hands a lot. <laughs> you hitting me. And so he's, I keep waiting for him to hit, hit the mic stand again. You, Dev and I both do it. Like you'll hear throughout, like, bong, ding, dong, dong. I was hitting the little, like, little springs and stuff. Uh, but <laughs> my, my wife does too. Like I'm sitting here, like my hands are just still just yeah. hanging out. That's so weird. Um, I mean, whatever. But uh, I was, I just finished up a online class on, um, uh, assessment in secondary education. So like middle school, high school. Um, and one of the, one of the assignments was to watch a video on, um, on body language and then, and then, uh, like figure out how different people use body language to do different stuff. And they were specifically focusing on, um, po- yeah, politicians, so Sean got up to go grab beers out of the, the beer fridge. So thank you, Sean. <laughs> Took one for the team. Um, so it was like Donald Trump and Joe Biden and like Hillary Clinton and then some other, you know, some other political people as well. But it was really cool just seeing how different people like some people control their body language. Like when politicians come out like onto a stage and they're always waving and pointing at people, you know, that's all like, that's all theater. Like mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, point at someone, make sure you like, Oh, I see you out there. Like they don't see anybody. They know they're just, they're just excessive. They're waiting for the cameras to pick that up, you know? And then the whole, like the different hand movements they do, like the grasping and the, like the touching of their heart and all, it's all this. And, and he was this guy, he was like a former, former FBI agent. 
And uh, so he was like, his whole thing was body language. So he's like looking at their facial expressions mm-hmm. and things they do with their eyes. And, and he said, some politicians like practice really hard before, like it's all scripted, like almost everything they do is scripted. And then there's some that like won't do that. You know, they'll just be like, no, I want to go out and be who I am. And like, those are natural things. Yeah. And, but then you get all these tells and stuff, all the different people that do all these things where you're like, oh, that's that's their thing that they do when they're like upset or they don't like a question or they're like being sarcastic or whatever, you know. But uh, it was just fun, like talking, like re- watching that video, um, you know, 90 percent of what that class was the stuff that I already do or just kind of regular boring educational stuff about assessments, mm-hmm. you know, how to how to test your students in different ways. But that was like actually really fun. I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like taking notes while I was watching it and like, <laughs> like picking up on all these things. And I was like, oh, it's funny. It's funny how people do that and like tons of gestures. And then the guy, I realized later in the video it was like an eight minute long video. But at the end of the video, I realized like I kind of went back and I realized how gestural he was the whole time. His like hands are moving and he's doing all this stuff. And I was like, oh, it's so funny. Like I wonder if that's just. Like if that was part of like his idea behind it was like, I'm going to be super gestural if that's just natural, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's just natural, but it's cool to like hear a, uh, you know, somebody who's trained in body language talk about it. Yeah. How many classes do you have left? Two more. Two? Yep. So it's 21 credits total. So I just finished 15. So I have two more, one, one in the fall, one in the spring. Cool. Um, yeah. The end is in sight. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. (laughs) They haven't been, you know, they're not too bad. They're just, it's just, it happens that CCBC Community College of Baltimore County, which is, or CCBC Community College of Baltimore City, <laughs> is um, they're, all of their classes within this, like, teacher certification are, um, they're almost all short classes. So they're, like, 10 weeks or 7 weeks or something mm-hmm. like that. So they're really compressed, which is just hard to do when you have a full-time job and a yeah. family and hobbies and a youtube channel and a podcast (laughs) and friends yeah exactly so Uh, inevitably Justin and nicole have been like no we're not we're not hanging out tonight we're like what do you mean you're not hanging out tonight (laughs) we're (laughs) bored and invited you over like that was hilarious you're not fixing texting you and kate (laughs) separately come hang out with us we're drinking and we want you to come drink (laughs) i paid for that the next day i got really drunk that night on margaritas (laughs) i know i really wanted to come over I think I ended up finishing the work that I needed to do around like 10 o'clock or something. But I think by that time you guys, I, I assumed from like the earlier text, <laughs> but honestly, Nicole and I were pretty toasted. Like after spending like the afternoon of the partying and the afternoon oh, went right. to my, my brother's uh, son's two, second birthday party. I was, like, I was like, we need to slow down, but yeah, we got, we got done. We're all done now. So we're good for this weekend. So, Speaking of this weekend, speaking of things that you've been doing, Sean, oh, you God. have been like in in frenzy DIY house, new house mode for the last uh, couple months, I guess, you know, because since you guys yeah. moved into your new house. So. Yeah. So we bought our new house. We closed in December and this thing hadn't been updated since the late 70s. It was mauve. Yeah, that was awesome. so gross. <laughs> um, not as I mean, actually, I was going to say not as bad as your last house, but actually I think. I would have preferred probably your last house just because of how like weird and eccentric it was and not just like seventies bad. You mean the West Baltimore house? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That that was just old. And yeah. then <laughs> and had a crazy lady get it, getting old in it and doing weird things. Um <laughs> weird things. 
anyways, mauve. <laughs> and so the whole house has been under renovation since January, and it's still not done. Like we're still trying to finish that up. But we moved in what a month and a half ago now, um, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah anyways, much, right? my project yeah. this week has been the pool. Uh, we had been waiting for it has a had an in ground pool, but the entire system had been stolen or dismantled or old or whatever, right? Um, and had been left to sit for years. So, what do you mean by system? Like, what what systems are there for the pool? So it has uh, the pool is a, a two level pool where the second level is a spa, and then that spa had a heater for it, and then for the pool as well. So it's a propane heater, and then the pumps that run everything and run the filters and stuff. Gotcha. So all the pumps were gone. Um, okay. the heater was shot. So we had to order all new stuff and it took a while for that to come in, but that got installed last what's today. Today is Thursday. Thursday so yeah. a week and a half ago, okay. last week, Tuesday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been really pushing to get the rest of the stuff done. Cause I had to like pressure wash the pool and empty mm-hmm. out the pool and replace some stuff and fix some things. And it's, it, we, we got water scheduled for tomorrow. Um, and we did that two days ago. I was like, crap, there's so many things on this list that have to be done before tomorrow. And I have no idea when the water is coming. So it's not like I could leave it for tomorrow morning. Right. So we're recording this between 930 and 10 o'clock at night yeah. because I didn't get over here till 915. <laughs> Which is fine because we were eating dinner late anyway. But <laughs> Man, that's just and that's just the latest. Like there's yeah. there's a pool house on the property that's slowly sinking into the ground, which we found out after we purchased it. So it has to be dismantled. Mm-hmm. There's a shop that's sort of on the property, but needs to be entirely designed and, and right. figured out. So, like, somebody was What's smart enough to run, you know, electric out to it. So, right. I have power. Yeah. And it's about, I want to say it's about 14 by 25 or something okay. yeah. uh, with a yeah, single a car tension. garage yeah. door on one end. So, it's great for a shop, mm-hmm. but there's not nearly enough electric ran and, and no benches or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. that will be my summer project is getting that running yeah yeah that'll be fun um i love i love making shops you know i love being like or just even like helping someone reorganize like i like doing it in my own shop but like i really like you know helping other people make stuff and like try to plan out things so like devin's still in the process of that like we want to we want to ideally shoot a video of setting up his shop so we'll see if that happens or not It, it i mean he's he's not as like anxious to get the shop up and running so it'll right. probably wait long enough until we can actually do it what's a what's a shop mean for him uh it'll be just like a normal homeowner shop so he'll have he has um well so he he has like chop saw and his all his power tools and stuff things that he that he bought you know to be able to do stuff around the house um he'll have some stuff that i've given him some kind of like hand me down stuff and i you know just like I guess just kind of the general homeowner things or like general handyman type stuff. But he does, he is really interested in timber framing. Oh, so, right, right, right. Yeah. So I think he wants to make some timber frame, um, uh, saw horses. So that way he can like then do bigger timber framing stuff in right. there in the shop. So, um, for him, you know, you know, that shop space that my, that was my dad. The, the first, one, the, the first yeah, shed. Exactly. So it's not super wide. I mean, it's got a bench built on one side and then shelves against the back wall and yep. it had metal shelves on the left, but my dad took all those when he moved. So I think he's going to leave it open, you know, just leave the like bench on the side and the shelves in the back and then, you know, whatever else he needs, maybe some rolling things, you know, tools around, but he'll leave that center area open to be able to put bigger things in there right. to do timber framing, which is pretty sweet. So we'll see. And he's got because your your parents had what 
three sheds, three individual sheds along that line. Yeah, so and that's the smallest of the three. Yeah, well, it's so there's the one, there's the the shop which we're talking about. Yeah, that's like uh, uh, maybe ten by twenty, something like that. Um, and then next to it is just a lean to. Um, that was just like for my dad's, oh, okay. you know, uh, lawnmower, which is where Devin's lawnmower and like all out, outdoor tools and stuff. Yeah. And then he built on the she shed, right, <laughs> the temperature, temperature, temperature control storage yeah, for your mom, for my mom, for all of her camping stuff. So now that's become Devin's like theater room. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has like, sense. he like, put we, the, uh, the box that we made with the projector and all is in there and he's got, so like, it actually became a she shed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, it, and then it's still got all the like storage wall. So it's like kind of half storage and has a cedar closet built into it. And also, but yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he wants to do, yeah, he wants to build like another, you know, a, a timber frame structure or something there. Sure. So we'll see, but, uh, but I'm excited to like help him set up, Although it's not as like with you, you have like the bare bones. So like I know you thought you like as soon as you realized you were getting you were gonna like possibly have that, yeah. you like drew it all out and you had to go all you like grinding room and like it, all of it's gonna to be, be honest. Awesome, beyond the grinding room, I have almost zero plans. It's like <laughs> uh, and even then, like uh, I don't know. It's hard because right now when I look at it, I walk into my shop and all of the stuff from my old shop is shoved along one side right. and not just all my stuff, but also I'm a dumpster diver at my own house because apparently <laughs> yeah, contractors right. throw out tons of useful stuff. Yeah. And so I've been going dumpster diving and grabbing all of the useful junk out of there. It's been fun. <laughs> and yeah. Dustin, Dustin has helped. Um, and so that's all in a messy pile in the shop and everything's shoved along one side so that I can walk from end to end right, and yeah. do something on the other side. So right now the plan is, is run electrical and insulate that side. And then move everything over to that side and then do the other side similarly. And it's like, it's so, it's such a big project that I'm like, I'm struggling to get down there to do stuff. Also, there's still so many projects at the house itself. Yeah. And like most of my tools are in the shop, but there's always that subset are in the basement and there's a subset in the garage. And so it's like, I don't, I don't know where anything is. (laughs) Yeah. That'll, that'll be kind of interesting too. Once you, um, once you get to a point where you can, once the shop is like up and running and you have it set up the way you want it, then because it is like, like a hundred yards or so from your house, you're probably want to going to keep a set of tools like in the garage. Right. So you'd have like the normal house tools, things you might need, screwdrivers, yeah. maybe a drill, yep. like whatever. So that's kind of a kind of an interesting thing too. Like what are, what are those tools? Like, and how do you set that up and how do you organize that? Like, Kind of cool too. It's been fun. really interesting thinking about how this house will work because this house is way bigger than what we're used to. So mm-hmm. it has a fully finished basement. So the house itself is something along around what was it like 40, 3,500 square feet? Yeah, I, like that, either way, yeah. it's big. Got a walkout basement um, and then a two car attached garage. And the garage itself is a, a big garage that has some storage space. And so I'm trying to think yeah. like, that storage space, that corner in the garage where the trash cans are, and it's got a peg wall there. Mm-hmm. It's like that will be all seasonal tools. So, like right, in the winter, yeah. that will be snow sh- snow shovels. In the summer, it'll be you know oh, yeah. gardening, Weed weeding whacker. stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's also got like a ten by ten shed on the property that's uh, lockable that's right, and yeah. has electric run to it. So the four wheelers in there and all like non seasonal stuff, and mm-hmm. we'll probably keep the pool chemical chemicals in there too. Oh, okay. um, yep. And then. And then the shop is like, you know, like I said, 14 by 20 something. But this will be the first time that I've had a shop where it doesn't have to serve any other purpose. It's only a shop. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and the fact that I don't have to like figure out space for a lawnmower right. or a four wheeler to sit in there or the yeah. plow or anything else, like it's just a shop. And right. I'm super excited to have that freedom to just do whatever I want and not have to think about anything other than making stuff when I'm designing it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> I guess because you have like you had the grinding room is what like the last eight feet or so of one end of yeah, the shop. Yeah, so so one end of the shop has a one car garage door and then the other end has like a a four foot inset where they put the door. So mm-hmm. the door to the shop is under an overhang. Right. Yeah. And that's part of a rectangular building. And so that area that's that's sectioned off by by the doorway, right. I planned on making that a grinding room because I don't like grinding just gets dust everywhere. Yeah, it does. And if I can put that into a single room mm-hmm. and and deal with it that way, like that would make my life a lot easier. And it's got a window in that room, so I could also just put a fan in the window and and get some uh, ventilation yeah, as well. Great. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. So then, so that like that last say not even a square. So I mean, maybe a square like ten by eight or whatever. Like, or maybe a little bit bigger, ten by twelve, ten by fourteen. So that leaves you with like 18 feet or something past that on the other side. That's just all the whole big rectangle. Yeah. So now you have like just all the space to decide what to do. With. Yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting to have the brain space and the time to yeah. like sit down with a diagram and yeah. draw things out. Like I, I already even have the list of tools and the dimensions of the tools. And I'm like, I could just focus for 20 minutes. I could right. get this figured out and start making moves in the right direction. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's like that's so tough as someone who who really enjoys making stuff to be. I mean, but you and I were talking last night, and you're saying how like you're you still you still are you still are doing stuff like in this the the like the DIYers headspace, right? It's like yeah. electrical and plumbing, and you know, and then also just kind of managing everything. And you have you've done this before with a house, so you have this kind of greater knowledge of kind of all the stuff that needs to be done and the practicality of what things need to be done, done like the people who drywalled in your cutoff for your water or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like it's like all those things that if you hadn't done this before, you probably would just be like, it wouldn't matter, you know, but you have it all in your head. So you can't just ignore stuff like that. So you're like always, <laughs> and you're also like to learn. So you're always like, you know, learning. So There's actually happening. been a disclaimer. Whenever a contractor's at my house and I have the time, I'm like looking over their shoulder and I'm like, I, I'm not judging the quality of work you're doing. I just want to learn. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to do that when, uh, when people would come into our school before I was teaching and they would like come in to do something in the building to like fix something or do some type of thing that like might need be, might need to be done again in the future that I might be able to do without calling them because inevitably when you work for a public school system if anyone has to come do something it's like you have to put that request in like a month ahead yeah you know, it takes like, six to eight weeks like, to oh, get anybody AC's, out there. yeah the ac's not working okay we'll call the ac guy they'll be here in three weeks you know like so i would always you know, I'd always be behind them and like watch what they're doing and ask them like okay how can i do this you know like what trick can i do to like rejump a system or you know like it where's the keyhole for me to open up the elevator if someone drops something in it you know like so i definitely had that same mentality it was like yeah oh, let me learn because like you know a lot of it was just the convenience of wanting to do stuff you know not have to call someone else to do it which is i guess is all the same mentality you know yeah knowing it. well and i just i part of me hates paying people to do things 
And then part of me is like, I'm paying people to do things. Why aren't they doing it to my standards? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. I see an error. <laughs> we had, yeah. we had, um, they put a door in for something in our bathroom and the trim on the door was like, I don't know if it was because it was pre-primed or something. It had a bunch of bubbles mm-hmm. along it and they installed it and thought it was fine. <laughs> and we're like, and we brought it up. He's like, oh, that's just how some wood comes. And he was, the contractor was a man talking to my wife and I was like, bullshit. Yeah, right now. <laughs> like, I, I know how wood comes. That's bad wood. You yeah. chose bad wood. Choose better. <laughs> and the yeah. fact that I had to had to tell him that, and same door, like it was a pocket mm-hmm. door. The thing wouldn't close. Like, it was hard to close it. Like, it's not supposed to be like this. The other pocket door you installed isn't like this. Right, yeah. And eventually, it got around to, like, he tried to fix it, sort of, but it didn't really fix it. And then... When his boss came out and looked at it and said, no, that's not that's not good. He said, oh, the you know, the rail's bad. I'm like, if the rail was bad when you installed it the first time, yeah, right. why didn't you uninstall it and fix it? Because now you have to cut a hole. Because I yeah, right. Right, like you knew. Because now yeah. you have to cut a hole in the drywall to get the pocket door frame out and put a new one in. Like, if you did it right the first time, yep. it'd be less work now. You just hoped I wouldn't, what, care? Notice? Yeah, exactly, right. Because It's a toilet in the primary bathroom. Yeah. I'm going to notice. Yeah. And, and you would, like, I... Maybe, maybe not be surprised, but most people probably don't notice or they're just like, okay, I guess that's how it is. Or they just let it go by and they're just like, oh, that sucks. And then they pay for someone else to come fix it later. Yeah. You know, which is bullshit because that's like just people being dishonest, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's, it's been weird because you mentioned I I did this before and the first time I did this in our, our West Baltimore house, it was a small, small company. Like it was one guy that had a couple of subs he'd called in, but he did most of the work himself, and he was right on top of the subs when they came in and made mm-hmm. sure everything. Like this current uh, GC that we're using is almost never at our house, right? And it it the quality of the contractors vary significantly. We have right. some that are absolutely fantastic, and some that I won't allow, literally won't allow back in my house. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. I'm like, how, how, how do you yeah. still have jobs? How are you still being put on things if, if you do such terrible work? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like there's, there's a lack of pride in people's, like, you know, there's maybe there's no accountability, right? When you work for a big company, I mean, yeah, there might be the accountability of like the person you work for firing you. But that's only if like the person really puts a stink in and and then also that's also if like your employer can afford to fire you and then try yeah. to find someone else. You know, that's like there's there's not this like um this sense of pride in the things that we do in the world as much as there used to be. Right? Because it's yeah, because definitely. the world is so big, you can like just Google a person in your area randomly which I know you're you're like dealing with right now with like an electrical because you don't want to just like hire any random person. You'd like to get some type of person that maybe you know or maybe you totally done got something. called in still. I forgot yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's like because it's so easy to just call some random person and then there's like all of the big name companies. Like say that like plumbing, right? There's like Rotor Rooter and Mister Rooter and blah blah blah. There's all these companies that are almost nationwide. And so the biggest com- the big company doesn't care if they have one random dude who does a shitty job and then like the the they lose one customer like they don't care yeah you know because they're gonna have a thousand other co- customers in that same county in that same state you know like so it's just uh yeah I don't know 
it's, it's a little it's disheartening. Frust- it's frustrating as a homeowner. Like, yeah. Admittedly, some of the contractors we're using are more used to flips than they are, you know, homeowners, mm-hmm. and so it might not be quite as up to the standard. But like, some of right. the stuff just doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah. the the original electrician is one of the contractors I won't allow back in my house because he did such a terrible job. Like, yeah. he put light switches to the kitchen in a different room behind a door because it was more convenient than putting them in a location that made sense. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, no, I did, I don't want to deal with you. I don't want you in my house. Fortunately, the guy that they, they call to fix all his stuff is great. I yeah. like him a lot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, uh, you can hang out and have a beer when you're done working. Yeah, and... yeah that's, I guess that's kind of like, in general, it's like the lack of small community anymore. You know, it's because everything is so, so convenient, you know, like with, like Amazon Prime, you need something, you order online, it gets there tomorrow <laughs> from the giant warehouse that has everything. You know, yeah. it's like, it's everything is so convenient that it's like, yeah, there's no, I mean, there is in, in pockets, but you know, when you live close to a big city or whatever, it's like, it's just, yeah, there's so many people that who cares if like a company loses one or two customers because they're going to have a, or if a they lose one or two companies, like, yeah, you exactly. don't notice if they did. Just go away. Yeah. Anyways, right. nothing about my house woes. What have you been up to for the last week or so? <laughs> uh, let's see. What have I been up to? So I finished uh, finished my classes on Sunday. Um, and then for the last couple of days, I haven't really been doing much. I've actually been really busy at school because um, we have uh, our end of the year show is coming up. Our senior show, which is virtual, is coming up. Mm-hmm. And then tonight was prom. So I was actually, for the last couple of days, working on building some um, – some like gates so they're eight feet by four feet tall um two by four frame with a like a two by eight foot piece of lattice attached to the top of it to create just like a Mm -hmm. a fence type of thing and then i built three of those to go along the back side of this roof where they're going to be tonight for prom which is tonight and um had to spray paint them black at the goal is that the art the the baltimore design school prom is based on the the theme is like a night in paris so they um uh they had all these different things that are Paris themed. They wanted to have some type of barrier there and so one of the parents thought of like the there's a bridge. Yeah, that bridge where they used to have all the locks, locks on it. Yeah, right. So there's like a bridge that pat goes over the Seine in Paris. I think it's the Seine, right? Yeah, Thames so. is in London, Seine is in, in Paris. So there's like a bridge where people would like lock a padlock or something onto it or a key lock and you know they're like make a promise or something and then toss the key in the river so subsequently all those locks have been like taken off because it was a ton of extra weight on the bridge <laughs> and also like ruining yeah. the the thing but but that was the idea so i built these like wooden fences these barriers and uh and then today i cut out all this just construction paper and like four and a half four by five and a half inch squares and then punched holes in them and then gave them zip ties so they could like write a note and hang it on there so I was make promises. And yeah, memories. exactly. Make promises and memories and stuff. And yeah. So it's kind of so cool. So, so yeah. I did that today. And then, uh, like, obviously anytime you're like asked to do something, it's like, Oh, can you do this, this small part of it? But then along with that come all these other things like, like, Oh, well, what are you going to hang on it? And they're like, Oh, you know, we're thinking of this type of thing. I'm like, okay, well, who's going to do that? And they're like, can can you do it? Yeah, and it was like never asked, but it was like I was like, well, I guess I could cut it because then like yesterday I got like an email from the parent who who asked me to do it. She was like, you know, do you guys have construction paper or do you have zip ties? And because I can't order anything now because it's too late for Amazon. I'm like, well, yes, yeah, too late. Like you asked me to build this thing like three weeks ago. Like what were you, what was your plan for it? So 
I was like, don't worry about it. I'll take on, care of like it. Face palmed on that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, I'll do it. You know, like I also at the same time have to like, you know, do a, do a, a, a virtual blog for my 18 seniors and also hang the show for my sophomores and juniors and teach three classes, you know, each day. I'm sure you have plenty of free time on a, any given yeah, day, right, exactly. particularly these ones. Yeah. Now I will say that I, as of last, was it last week, early, maybe last like Tuesday or something or Wednesday, I don't, I don't have my seniors anymore because right. they've done their classes. So like, like I do have an extra planning period, you know, but <laughs> so I have like, I, I went from my first semester, it's like we have a five class day to teaching three classes, which is ninth, 10th, and 11th grade. So I have three separate planning periods for, or three separate preps is what we call them in right. education. Like yep. I have to prep the lesson each day for three classes. Now, typically a teacher will teach like three or four classes, but they're teaching the same thing to all of them, right? It's the same grade right. or whatever. If I'm teaching eighth grade geometry You're teaching it three to like, times, yeah, I only have to prep class. one class. Yeah. yeah. So. So I have three preps and then that was first semester. Second semester, I have four preps because I have another class I was oh, asked geez. to teach. So, so I have one planning period to prep for four classes. And seems, it's my, seems and, fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's my first period. So I come into the school, I have like homeroom and then I have an hour and 10 minutes or so. And then I teach for the rest of the day. I teach two classes and then I have a half an hour break for lunch and then I teach two classes. So that's why I get those text messages at lunchtime. <laughs> exactly. Time. Response back. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so like now I have that, like I have that extra time in the morning. So I have an extra hour or so and I'm not teaching the seniors cause they were my second period. So I do have some time. And so I have time to do all this stuff, but it's just like, it's been busy. So busy at school. Um, I guess you've been sailing too. And then Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday you like, sail. Yeah. So, right. Exactly. So now that this was our first week of sailing on Tuesdays and, Sailing was just like an incredible wind on Tuesday night, which was awesome, super fun. Um, there's a great video of one of the boats like going super fast sailing across. I'll show it to you. Uh, no, I saw it. Oh, did you see the one yeah. that Drew posted? Yeah. Or the guy, the guy I it. work with that sails on, on bare bones posted it to our Slack channel. Nice. Yeah. It's crazy. Like this, this boat, uh, monkey business just going like insanely fast, probably like. 12 or 15 knots just cruising it just across. looks fast yeah and that was the thing like we we're all watching them go by just like oh and i didn't realize that we were right next to the committee boat which is the kind of boat that runs all of the um they do the starts and the ends and stuff and is there any reason to move your hands for that you're talking about the committee boat. yeah i don't know that's yeah it's just you know <laughs> i gesture <laughs> um and obviously they were impressed too because they got a video of it like just this boat flying across under going downwind just full sails just insane speed so and then uh yeah and then last night we sailed which is great last night was fun it was yeah we were short three crew members so sean was on the bow which you haven't done in a while in a while yeah i mean last season i think you weren't doing it at all because yeah because tim was there or uh justin justin was there and then um yeah so drew my brother drew and justin they usually run the bow and then i'm in the pit sean's in the pit running the like boss running all the lines i'm in the pit doing trimming and then jack and charles are behind me running main and 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 the helm and then we have our, a new guy tim and uh and kim who both help out in the pit around as well so tim was tim was there and kim was there and sean and myself and drew so drew who's not normally on the helm was on the helm so he was driving the boat i was 
trimming in the middle. So kind of Dustin's the one, the only person one that wasn't who, in a weird spot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, that was kind of like on purpose. Cause like with what I'm doing, it's like right there, you gotta be able to reach and do all this stuff and c- keep all the sails sailing the way they should be. So I was like, well, I'll stay where I am. And then I'll let Drew helm. Cause he needs more experience. Yeah. And it was a, it was a moderate wind. It was actually more wind than we thought, which was kind of nice. Like, I guess either way, one of us would have been, well, no, we could have, we wouldn't yeah. have had a pit person. <laughs> right. We could have, no matter all, what. Yeah. So, like I, you could have helmed, I could have trimmed, and then Drew would Drew have stayed have on four deck, right? But. And that's probably what we would have done if it was just the three of us, you know? Like, probably, I guess, maybe, eh. or maybe, yeah. Either I way, I mean, the way yeah. it was, like, I, it was, it was weird. I've actually never done four deck by myself, other than when you and I do double handed races, right? Um, it was. It, I remembered almost everything, which was nice. Yeah. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. nice that things are sticking in my brain finally <laughs> right, where exactly. I don't do them for a while and they're still there when I go to go right. to grab them again. I guess that's that like you get to a point as a sailor where you've done enough jobs around the boat that you start to understand all the jobs and how they work together. Yeah. So like if you jump, you have to jump to another position. You, you might not know how to do it as well as the person that normally does it, but you understand why it works and what has to happen. Right. right. So it's like, you know, the process, like, and that's why we always say to anyone new and, or people who have been sailing with us before, it's like, if you ever see something, just say it out loud because we're all always looking like we always, like, I'm always looking at lines. I'm seeing how they're run. I'm seeing what's going on. I'm seeing what's happening. Like I'm always looking for errors because I understand how everything should work, whether or not I'm actually used to doing it on my own or doing it efficiently is a different thing. But yeah, you have that mindset now where you're like used to seeing, you understand why everything works the way it does. And because then once you understand the system, then it doesn't matter where where you plug in, you right. kind of understand. How you understand what needs to happen for everything else to happen, and yeah. and that took me a couple of years, probably three years, to start getting there. Like, right. I guess it probably took me three years just to get comfortable doing what I needed to do, right. yeah. and then I could start paying attention to how it was all working together yeah. and some of the tactics around it and things like that. But yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of different parts to make it run well. Like you can you can sail a boat fine with minimal you know, parts, but to compete well, you have to like trim everything really well and get everything running and going smoothly and everything has to happen efficiently. So it's a different mindset, like racing as opposed to cruising, right? Cruising, you can have inefficiencies racing. Yeah. You need to fix all of those inefficiencies as they're shifting. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. With racing, you're like, you're doing everything as fast as possible despite the consequences. Like with cruising, you're doing everything as smoothly as possible because of the consequences right like if you're if you're cruising around the world right you can't afford to do something really fast and put a hole through your sail with the boom because you're trying to do it fast right because seconds matter because they don't you know and and i listened to um on the wind which is another sailing podcast and a lot of their their whole podcast podcast is about offshore sailing so it's all cruising you know it's Mm -hmm. like long distance cruising and so their mindsets are completely different on how to set up a boat and like what matters. And, you know, it's like they want to put, you know, like four reefs in the main instead of three reefs where we're, we were like, should we put one or two reefs in our main? You know, cause like, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to reef our main down to a fourth reef no. and still we'll, race. We'll go home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll drop the main <laughs> <Right>. and go home. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we're not racing for money. So right? it's like, eh, no, we're done. Yeah. It's not worth it. But, um, but yeah, so it's like a, a completely different mentality to how to set up, you know, set up a boat for cruising as opposed to racing. So, but it's fun. It's fun to be back into it. I always like get excited when we get back into it. And then it's like, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just very like soul nourishing, you know, like, yeah, 
I mean, out of the water and it's like, oh, I'm a nice. excessively competitive person. <laughs> and with the exception of the occasional games with our friends yeah. where <laughs> everything is, <laughs> they just put a, a buffer over anything I'd say and do during those times and, and kind of ignore it. Um, no, sailing's about the only thing I can, I can compete at regularly. And the weeks that it gets canceled, I'm like, oh. I know, right, exactly. I'm going to miss that this week. <laughs> that was my competitive hour. I, ex- I, I actually wish. Now? So we race on Wednesdays. Um, I have raced on your Tuesday night boat a couple of times. And I'm invited out there when I when I, I want to, but um, I can't afford two nights out. I wish the yep. days were reversed so that if my, my main crew got canceled, I could then go to my, my oh, secondary crew. Like, yeah, right. If we race on Tuesdays and then BCYA was on, on Wednesdays, it's like yeah. if Tuesdays canceled, I can race on Wednesdays. Right. And also because like with BCO, BCYA, Baltimore City Yacht Association, which is what we race, I race with on Tuesdays. And then on Wednesdays, we race together on, on our boat. Um, they like, they're a lot bigger boats in that, in that mm-hmm. regatta. So they'll go out and higher wind. Yeah. Like we had, we were, we were probably right around like 15 to 18 with gusts up to 22, 23, occasionally, maybe a little higher on Tuesday nights. And that's, that's pushing the edge of like what we would do on in MPSA. Right. Yeah. So I think BCYA is, um, I forget what it's called sanctioned as opposed to like MPSA. We're not sanctioned. So they're like, they are more an official races can be counted against bigger, larger, like your accumulation of races that can help you points for a whole Bay race type right, of thing. Right. So, um, so they take it a little bit more seriously and there's more money down in the Harbor, you know, so the boats <laughs> there, are bigger there's and definitely like, more money down yeah, in the Harbor, bigger, you know, all new sales, you know, like just, yeah. So it's a different, it's, it's a different, like a different environment. Yeah. Um, people take it more seriously, but we have a really good crew. That's like, good sailors we love to sail but they're the same mentality as us where it's like eh, you know like if like it whatever it's we're just we're not we're not winning money you know yeah. like we're just paying money to sail you know like <laughs> we're not winning anything it's like really not you know it's like yeah you don't want to you don't want to get in a collision you're going to avoid a collision if yeah you know, and and you're also going to just like avoid really screwing someone else over just yeah. because like you know why would you, you know, if you can avoid it, like we're all out there to have fun. You know? yep. So some, some other crews don't have that same mentality and it's a little frustrating sometimes, but, but you know, it makes it, it makes it for fun. It makes a fun competition. Cause there is like, you know, there is a competitive nature to it. And when you're like, try you like got to pick apart the rules to make sure you're doing the right thing. And you know, like that's, that's fun sometimes to really yeah. like get into the nitty gritty. And there's a lot of that in sailing. So I do wish more boats would come out. I know it's the first series, but yeah. like, I'd like to race against more than one other person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always tough. Always tough. Like this early, the early season, everyone's like, everyone's in like half the boats aren't even in the water yet. Yeah, they're they're on like non sailing winter mode. Well, and like historically we've had some pretty crappy weather during this series, but mm-hmm. this series has been fantastic. Yeah. Like, yeah, we had we, one we race. Canceled, no we had one there, race yeah. canceled. Cause it was canceled. Right. Yeah. And it was canceled well in advance of, of right. the race. So nobody was wasting time. Mm-hmm. but most of them have been delightful nights to be in the water. Yeah. Yeah. The first night was great. The second, second race, the, the third race, which second race was canceled. We had no win, but it was a beautiful night. So yeah. Whatever. And then, yeah, last night was, was great win. Yeah. You know, we were like you know, averaging it probably like seven, eight knots with gusts of like 13, 14, 15, which is fun. Yeah. It was good under control. It was a good night to be on the water, but 
Yeah, but other than that, you know, I haven't really been doing much, not in the shop. I am getting ready for this weekend. I'm doing a virtual craft festival. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, we're working on our barrel. That's the barrel top table. Those three pieces of oak on top. He is pointing to his right. <laughs> are are <laughs> what are going to be um, dowed together to make the circle. Oh, did you mean to bring that dowel jig over? No, I have. Um, did you I find one? one? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. That was a time. I was telling you about the one that I that I bought, which was like ten bucks or something. I, so I went to Home Depot looking to get the. Um, the dowel, uh, when you, when you do like doweling, you know, flat stock together, you do, um, you can use a doweling jig, which basically helps you to center, or, or at least like you have the same distance from the top of your material down to where you drill your hole on both pieces of wood. So that way, when you put them together, the top lines up, um, you have jigs like that, that hold it. And then you have, um, a more like analog system where you can drill a hole on one side and put a little metal pin in, which has a point sticking out of it. So then you put the pin in and you push your two pieces of wood together and it gives you a spot on the opposite side where then you can drill a hole. So I was, I wasn't going to look for, I was looking for that because I kind of, I like that system. It's just like super versatile, easy. You can put it away. And like, I I thought it'd be kind of nice to have. So I went to get that and it was not, The size that I wanted wasn't there. So I bought quarter-inch dowels, and they didn't have the quarter-inch metal pins, studs and pins. They had, like, the, you know, five-eighths ones and the, like, three, you know, like, and the like, half-inch ones, but not the quarter. So, or three-eighths and the quarter, whatever. But, um, so I was like, okay, whatever. So I went, and I'm at Home Depot, so, of course, I'm going to go look in the tool corral just for fun. Why not? I had a little bit extra time. So I'm looking around and I was looking at the Craig, Craig jig stuff and they just so happened to have like a center finding tool, which is basically just like a rectangular box that has, um, going down the center of it, it has a series of holes with like the metal sleeve, like Mm -hmm. Craig's have straight through from like, um, maybe like, I guess not, probably like an. Uh, eighth up to a half inch. So like a whole series of holes Mm -hmm. that are running straight down the middle of this rectangle. Um, And then on the other side of the rectangle, they have uh, a space slotted out for like half inch and then three quarters of an inch. So it's like standard, you know, lumber, standard lumber stuff. So, so those are all three quarter. So I got that. So it'd be kind of nice. They just kind of put it on one side and then it just lines up. It doesn't matter what you want. And it has all the lines on the top. So you line up and drill it. So that'll work. Um, yeah, so I, I had that. Yeah, I have two of them. Um, for some reason, I think my dad gave me one, and then I had when I was working at Home Depot for some random right. side hustle. Um, I had a customer give me one, right. which was probably inappropriate, but I really needed a dowel jig. Anyways, <laughs> well, we I were noticed... building our tables at the time, and that's what I remember. Yeah, we using. We... that's why I was like, I feel like I have a doweling jig somewhere because <laughs> I built a dining room table with a doweling jig. But... So the, the main difference between the two doweling jigs is that one of them is a sandwich method where it has, similarly, it has all the holes with the different sizes for different sized dowels, but the, the problem with that one is that uh, my table... Mm, dissimilar from your table was made from different thicknesses of lumber right. so it's made of pine wall boards from a, a barn and then it also had some red oak um from uh, my dad actually right and the thickness of the wall boards was like an inch and a half and then the thickness of the oak was a three quarter i'm like i'm not planting down this inch and a half stuff or cutting it anyways i wasn't doing it right. i wasn't in my capability at the time so 
um, the one dowel jig wouldn't work because if I'm sandwiching between finding the center equidistant between the top and bottom, right? Yeah, finding yeah. the center of the thickness of the board, it's not going to work with two different thicknesses of boards. So the other one I had let me set a depth, and then I had a rotational thing where I could rotate it to the correct size hole, and uh, then drill a hole that way. So it was everything was a half an inch down from the top, not right. centered on the thickness of the board, which was surprisingly useful. Yeah, yeah, that definitely would be. Yeah, for anything that where it's like multiple sizes, like when I did the uh, the lazy Susan, um, we laminated a bunch of stuff together, and it was all different thicknesses. So that I didn't, I actually didn't dowel that. I just glued it all, and and then just like plain the top to size. But with this one, I want to dowel it because it's going to be a circle, but it's not, um, it's not like solid all the way through. It's not like a circular tabletop. It's a circle with a hole in the top. So it's only a six inch wide circle all the way around. So the joints are going to be just like six inch pieces that are held together, not the entire width. So I'm okay. going to doubt those spots. So mm-hmm. I'm not doubting across the whole thing, just in the spots where the circle is. So that way it'll hold together. Um, so we had that, that's, that's working. Um, uh, what else? I have, I have a, uh, here next to us, I have a, a Tazzy pattern axe head that I got from Daniel Donnelly from Donnelly, uh, the Donnelly brothers Metalworks. That's a beautiful head. Like yeah. Yeah, such, it's, a, such a nice design. Yeah. Hi Tess. Yeah. So it was great. Cause he was just, he was doing a live stream on Instagram and we were chatting and, and he was talking about all his axe heads and, and, uh, I think somehow it came up where he was like, one of the things that he doesn't find often are like jerseys, out on the west coast he's or i guess he's in colorado i want to say that's not the west coast no it's not it's out west (laughs) but where he (laughs) is you're on the east coast everything is out west. everything is the west yeah the west the west country the wild west (laughs) (laughs) that's how the middle the 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 midwest got called that is it was also west like midwest the midwest is not in the west yeah it's like it's like East on the eastern side of our country, but it's still Midwest. <laughs> it's the western part of the eastern Everything part of past the country. Appalachians is the west, <laughs> the wild west out there. I think in my mind, like Dan O'Donnell was out in California or something. So I always think like West Coast, but then I I realize he's not that far. But um, but yeah, he was doing a live stream and talking about stuff, and he was mentioning how he doesn't find many jerseys, and I was like. I was like, I'll send you a jersey. Like, let's. What do we, you want to trade? Like, because I know he's got a ton of Tazzies because he ordered a bunch and got them from you know, like from Australia or whatever, or from New Zealand or whatever. I, I would trade them. a. I don't even have a ton of jerseys. I would trade one for a Tazzy. Yeah, right. Because we find them here on the west, co- on the east coast. <laughs> you know, we get them. Like, and I unfortunately didn't have big surprise. Yeah. New Jersey pattern axes are found more predominantly yeah, yeah, close right. to New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of cool. I'm excited about that. That'll be fun. I gotta hang that on a. I gotta figure out what I have because it's kind of kind of a fat eye, so I'll have to get a nice good hand. Seems like that. a great excuse to buy some eight quarter white ash from yeah. the. Yeah, I know. I actually have some pieces. I was thinking about doing that, but uh, I don't. Ha- I don't think I have something. I think like maybe twenty is the. I think I'd probably get like a twenty inch hand out of what I have mm, left over. So it needs a little more than twenty. Yeah, no, I'd probably put a thirty 20. on it because it's a splitter. So I want like it doesn't need to be super long, but I want definitely want it to be longer and i like you know i think 30 yeah i'd say between is... 27 and 33 yeah 30 sounds good <laughs> that's that's a big that's a pretty big difference it is but <laughs> just i don't know i i am typically if it's you know more than three pounds if it's a full-size axe head you know four years ago everything was on a 36 inch handle mm-hmm. and the past couple of years i've i've 
come to appreciate the maneuverability of a shorter handle right. and like what that feels like. And so I look at that head and like four and a half pounds. I don't want it on a 36 inch handle, but I don't necessarily think I want it on a 27 inch handle. Like that might be a little short for a four and a half pounder, but I, I don't. I don't that's think that's. I don't think that's inappropriate. No, that's too short. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you're, you're ridiculous. <laughs> we just put. <laughs> so Daniel Donnelly sent me a. Um, uh, what do we have? A Holtz Brooks, boys axe on a 27 inch handle with a, like a, a, like a nice big palm swell and a wooden mask, which is super cool. Um, and uh, and I just put it. I just put the head on the end of it to see what it would look like. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely too. Uh, too short i think it needs like i think uh like for that size head it's just so heavy like but i I guess again it's just splitting so you know ideally i'm normally splitting up higher than you know this is it's a splitting head so like with felling you know felling you're you're hitting sideways predominantly so it can be shorter it doesn't have to be long like if you're tall it's necessarily i mean felling and bucking are the same thing yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, right. Exactly. You only fell once. You buck a lot. <laughs> or you use the gas axe. <laughs> gas axe. <laughs> Chainsaw. We don't, we don't talk about those pesky things. No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have one over there. It's just, I never use it. Cause... I, have, I have access to one. It's not mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have a fireplace, so I don't burn wood. I mean, I burn a lot of wood. I just <laughs> don't have a fireplace, so I just like burn out of what's uh what i find around the property you don't have to burn wood exactly you choose to create a fire yes, and yes. find your happy place yeah and surprisingly like for not having a fireplace i have a lot of axes and i use a lot of them all the time <laughs> to like cut wood and split stuff and you know it's just it's so nice not that i need i them, would but... say you lo- you use less than half your axes um I, I only say that because half of your axes don't have handles and they're in a bucket. Oh well yeah, that that's true. <laughs> so logically you that is a correct statement. <laughs> I said all out of all the axes that I have hung, I don't I don't use the double bits all that often. Um I just find that like a single bit works more efficiently for what I do. Um I use my cruiser occasionally, but of the other double bits I don't use that often. Which is funny because that's kind of what really got me into axes was double bits. Like they're the, so the, pretty, they're so pretty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was like the fir- the first real the first axe that I bought, really. I guess for myself was the double bit. Like side, I I did the same thing. Yeah. Like when I because I got into axes, what a couple of years after you, two or three years after you, maybe more than that. And I really liked double bit axes, and for a while that was all I wanted. And admittedly, my favorite axes are still double bit axes as far as like the ones i i own right yeah um but but man i dustin one of the oh the connie that he did on camera i think it was that that um the collins legitimus yeah yeah i swung that for ben i was like oh yeah (laughs) this is nice yeah Yeah, and the more i used it because for a while i've been living on 28 acres with a wood burning fireplace so i was doing a lot of of wood management and having the right axe for the job was better than having an axe that could do multiple jobs right yeah so yeah having having a jersey 
you know, a four and a half, five pound jersey for splitting was way better than my double bit that can both fell and split. Right. Yeah, you had the was it the Collins bonded? Is that the the heavy jersey that you have? No, the Collins bonded no, is that's that. The double. <laughs> is the full size double that I oh, put the on short handle. the that's shorty right. yeah. handle. What's the what's the one you have? What's the heavy one? Uh, that is a Collins com. No, not Collins. No, not Commander. What is it? I think it is Commander. I have to go look at it. I don't think it's Commander. I can't remember. But that yeah, that's a heavy head. That's a good one. It's like it's got some good weight to it. Um, homestead? No, I don't own any homesteads. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, and the other one that you had that I really like is the uh, what's the what's the one with the giraffe? Oh, that's my felling axe. Yeah, um, the great great neck. Great neck. Yeah, I bought that one off of a guy. You and I specifically drove out to meet him. Oh, that's right. Out um, in Frederick area. Out in, yeah. yeah, Frederick Thurmont area, and. I think the guy's name is Brandon, but he had a bunch of axes that he was try- just getting rid of to, yeah. to hopefully buy a house. I think he was trying to save money by a house and he sold it to me for, I think 20 bucks, but it has a giraffe on it. That's um, awesome. It's a fun, it's a fun ax. Yeah, I, I need to redo the handle. Like I tried to do similarly to what Donnelly did with this one, but done poorly. I tried to do laminated palm swells oh, right. on that. And so it, it just, it was not executed well. Um, mm. And so every time I pick it up, I'm a little, unhappy yeah like i pick it up i'm like mm. yeah i really wish this handle would break so i have an <laughs> excuse to, to rehandle it again it might be kind of an interesting project to try to pull the handle right because like i mean i glue in all of my wedges but even still like you can you know i guess you know they come out occasionally but you can drill them out yeah and then like that i actually did that one of my axes i had um it, it loosened up so i ended up drilling out what I had and then once I got the handle off I kind of cleaned up the inside of that like wedge but I left the wedge and then put another wedge in inside of it so it actually has like two wedges or like you know the original wedge was still there I just kind of cut a kerf through it and then and then drilled and then put a new wedge inside which is kind of cool because it was like the hickory and then the original wedge I think was something like bloodwood or bubinga like a darker mm-hmm. redwood and then i put i think an oak wedge inside of that so it's like this like light dark light which is kind of cool but um but yeah that's uh it's that i see so i see people occasionally will pull handles and you know pull pull axe handles and and be able to re- like rescue the handle i actually had a guy reach out to me recently and was wondering about this specifically it's like what do you do like how can i get this uh axe head off of this handle in a way that I can preserve the handle. Cause it was like a client who had a handle that was like, that had some sentimental value to him and they wanted to be able to pull it. And they, they were trying to do it without ruining the handle. So I gave him like a couple pointers on it, like drill a consecutive line of holes in the eye and see if you can get it to like close up some, yeah. so you can pull it out, you know, just do your best to preserve it. But any luck? Yeah, it was a Colin. Sorry. Yeah. It was a Collins commander. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that heavy one. That's yeah, and that yep. one is that one's like four, like over four pounds, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a four and a half pound. And that one, that one, unfortunately, that one also kind of makes me sad to use because <laughs> uh, I I spent a ton of time. It was my first octagonal handle, and I blackened the oh, whole yeah. thing. And the first time I took it out to split some wood, I was splitting some oak, and I didn't realize that the center of this it was maybe only a seven inch um, piece of wood right. was rotted. 
And so when I hit it, I hit it on the, the backside and it sunk down in, sorry, so hard into that section that the front part of the wood, like it sunk into the rotted section so yeah. hard that the front part of the wood then broke my handle. Right. I yeah. was like, oh God. Yeah, like overstrike, but you didn't overstrike. It just went through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I was so sad about that. And so then I, I really needed a splitter. So I just threw it on. I think I grabbed one of your axe handles and right. and just threw it on a hickory handle. So it's not interesting. It's not overly well-shaped or anything like that. It's just been functional. Again, I'm like, if you just, if you just break, I'll give you a better handle. <laughs> yeah, that's – I mean – the handle is is half the fun of the head, right? It's like I definitely grab it's the part I touch the most. Yeah, I'm right. Like, I definitely grab the axes that are the most like that have the most interesting and like the best feeling handles. When I grab, I'm like, oh, I'll take this one. You know, this is, this is a nice. One. It's got a really really pretty handle on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like I'll I'd rather like take a like use a little effort and sharpen the ax head before I had to use it <laughs> rather than just grab a sharp ax <laughs> like with a, with like a not as interesting handle. So. Oh man. I was, I was down in the shop. Speaking of not sharp axes, um, I was down in the shop and the previous homeowner ran, ran wires everywhere and not electrical wires either. Like alarm wires, coax wires, speaker wires everywhere. And so I was trying to clear some of it away and I was, I couldn't find any, of the right tools to do what I was trying to do. And so I had a big bucket of axes and I was like, well, I don't really want to cut the wood. So this blunt ax will do the job. Right. <laughs> so I pick up, it's at a, I picked up my fireman's ax. It's like yeah. a five or six pound fireman's ax. <laughs> Hasn't been sharpened in forever. And I don't have a two twenty volt for my grinder. So sharpening it was out of the question real quick. I got to cut the, the wire and it just doesn't cut it. <laughs> I hit it like four times just oh, sat geez. there. I'm like, so I picked up um, my birthday present from you, yeah, which was so down in the modified, shop, yeah, the, the modified half hatch. And I'm like, <laughs> one hit. And just, it didn't even hit it hard. Just cut it right away. I was like, oh, wow. Well, I, guess I suppose a sharp axe will do the job. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like jamming the wire into whatever surface yeah. below. With them, like, doo, doo. Oh. I know you'd think like metal that's been like ground to a relative edge at some point yeah, should right. hold it. Right. Yeah. I'm always surprised when I get an accident. It's so dull. I'm like, how does this even get like this? Like, I don't know. How I, much, I just don't how know. How much deferred maintenance? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, how is it so dull? Like is someone purposefully dulling it? You know, like it was obviously used at one point. But Did you hit so a rock? Dull. Yeah. I mean, the fireman's ax has an excuse. It could have been used to break down a metal door. Right, exactly. A fireman's axe doesn't really need to be super sharp. You yeah, know, it's not. It just happened to, to be like the one axe yeah. that I that was there yeah. that had a handle on it yeah. that I could find right away. I didn't. Yours was the one you'd given me was like sitting on top of something, back behind something right, else, yeah. and I just happened to find it later. I was like, oh, <laughs> this will work. This will yeah. work better. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of. Or what some household things. Um, I have a a quick uh, DIY household trivia for you. We'll see how how well you can do in a general trivia for general household household <laughs> DIY knowledge. All right, this is twenty questions. All right, number one. What is the first thing most power tool manuals discuss under their power tool safety header? A. Keep work area clean. B know where the off switch is, C, hold the handle firmly, or D, dispose of the power tools safety guard. (laughs) 
count on a couple of those. I mean, <laughs> D sounds like a solid first actual option. <laughs> exactly but, what most people do. But um, I'll go with B. B. Know where the off switch is. All right. So this is a. Uh, I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm actually choosing, so we'll see. It'll give you your score. Okay. Tonight. All right. Number two. Uh, what does the lumber grade S4S stand for? S4 as in the number four S. Sanded four sides, surfaced four sides, standard for structural or lumber grade used only for straight parts of a four-story house. <laughs> Why, why are D why, so why stupid? Why is D such a terrible answer? <laughs> um, S4S. I want to say C on that one. Standard for structural. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was like sanded four sides, sanded surfaced four sides. Neither of yeah, but they right. use terms like furniture grade for, for stuff like that, but for that's also plywood. Right. I like standard for structural. Yeah, okay. Although... Swap, swapping a number for the word four seems <laughs> seems <laughs> unreliable for an answer. But instead of four, uh, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, number three. What what determines the style of kitchen cabinet doors? A the knobs. B the style of the kitchen cabinet shelf liners. C the fridge, or D the hinges. What determines the style of kitchen cabinet doors? The knobs. Kitchen cabinet shelf liners, the fridge, or the hinges. What? <laughs> what determines you said the style s- of kitchen cabinet doors? Style of kitchen cabinet doors. And my options are the knobs, the knobs, which is no. The style of the kitchen cabinet shelf liners. What the fuck is a shelf liner? <laughs> Pardon my the, language. I guess the paper that goes on the shelves. So that's a no. See the fridge. Also a no. Or D, the hinges. I mean, are we talking about soft clothes or not soft clothes? So, like, the style of a, of, a, of a kitchen cabinet door is, like, shaker style or flat panel. Like, that's how I would define the style. Right. And what, what changes that is, like, what the face of the door looks like. Like, a shaker style has a square outline on it. There's more decorative ones that I don't right. know the names of because they're ugly. Um, so, so, what... This is a dumb question. I guess the I guess it's like what two things go together? Is it the knobs in the style or the hinges in the style? The knob fridge. Okay. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> this quiz is dumb. It just it just lost all all credibility. Dang. What is applied to plastic laminate to adhere it to the countertop? Nonstick plastic laminate duct tape, carpenter's glue, construction adhesive, or contact cement? We'll go with construction adhesive. Okay. Construction adhesive. Uh, what are batter boards used for? A, to square the excavation. B, as fascia board on a gable end. C, boards to keep batter moist <laughs> so there's no chance it can pour out of the bowl. Or D, to trim a window. Uh, square excavation, fascia board on a gable end trim a window or keep batter <laughs> as i'm homeowner am i expected to know what a batter board is i guess so do you know what a batter board is i do in the context of building the the smithy i think <laughs> what, which one had to do with squaring something yeah 
We'll do that one. Right, that's what I would take too. If I were to guess what a batter board was, I would say it's a board that people put mud on before they put it on a wall. <laughs> yeah, right. That kind of makes sense. Except for that would be like. But that's none of the answers. No. All right. Number. Um, Four. Five. I clicked on next page. I didn't go to the next 20. page. 20. Oh, my goodness. Okay, hold on. This is what happens when Dustin runs things. <laughs> I'm I'm running a quiz that I didn't actually go all the way through before I started. Uh, okay, hold on one second. Go that. We'll go that. Sorry, it like cleared out my uh, thing. So that and um, that and that. Okay, I'd say what he's doing, but I don't know what he's doing. Either, Next so. page. I was reclicking the answers again because I just got rid of them. Um. Okay, I just got rid of the answers again. All right, we're going to stop there. All Congratulations. Right. 20... You, you got some points, and I can't tell you the answers. <laughs> so, look, it says, like, like here's one through one through five, and then I click the answers, and I clicked on next page. And it even says, like, this is one through five of 20 questions, and you'll learn your, you'll learn your, you know, like, the overall score at the end. So I put in the answers, and I clicked next page, and it just deleted all the answers. It's weird. It also won't let me go to the next page without... Um... Putting in the answers. Putting in the answers. So yeah. I can just skip the ones we've already not done. <laughs> this is captivating trivia on the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. <laughs> I like doing trivia. It's fun, but only when I can actually get to the next page of the trivia. Yeah. Uh, it's not below it, right? No. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Just right. a bunch of ads below it. <laughs> so if you know the answer to those questions um, and we were wrong, please please let Dustin know in the comments. <laughs> Batterboard. The only one that I think I'd – well – I'm going to look up what a batterboard is because – So, yeah, I think that's the the square, the excavation is batterboards. They're like the things you put in. I think applied yeah. plastic laminate to adhere it to the surface of the countertop, maybe contact cement. You know, yeah, it's, it's like a laminate. laminate countertop. I don't care. Yeah, construction <laughs> adhesive, contact cement. Um, it um, could be knobs or hinges. What was the other the... question that actually made sense? Oh, the first one, the S. Oh, S for S. S. Yeah, what does S for S, S stand for? Lumber grades. Stand for surface. It might be a surface four sides. Surfaced or sanded. S for S stands for surfaced on four sides. Surfaced, yeah. I wonder if that's different from like the um, S4S. I wonder if that's like in timber framing. I don't know. I mean, because like you have standard construction grade, you know, two by fours, two by sixes. They all have the bull nose. Like, but are those our S4S or like is that something different than that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I know like is that with timber framing, you have like you have ones that are surfaced on all four sides. So it's exactly what it says it is like eight by eight or 10 by 10 or whatever it is. And then you have ones that are milled to those sizes, but they may be a little short by like a quarter of an inch or an eighth of an inch. And so there's a different type of, um, like a different type of how you organize your cutting when you're doing, um, timber that is not milled perfectly. So you, you, you measure out from two faces. So you have like an interface and a top face and all the measurements go from those faces instead of measuring. Right. Like those two from, faces are square to each other and flat. Yeah, exactly. And everything is referenced off right. of those. So if like, so instead of like saying you're putting like a, a, a mortise in the middle of an eight by eight timber, you're putting a mortise exactly at 
two and a half inches from the edge of of your reference face. And so it doesn't matter what the other end is. It may, it may end up being two and a half, but it may be two and a quarter or two and three quarters. So as long as you have your reference face and you mark it and you know what that reference face is for all of your things, then it doesn't matter. So, so that's my, that's my only like reference for what S4S could be like surfaced on four sides. Uh, All right. Well, uh, let's see. Quiz is the best. Yeah, yeah. I tried. I tried. It no, says. No it even says. Yeah. What does it say? It says. Uh, it's not like you warned me ahead of time. <laughs> one to five of twenty. Here are questions. One. To I five would of like 20. to know if this is a, a DIY homeowner thing. Like, how many? I, I want to quiz the homeowners. How many of them know what a batter board is or what S for S stands for on lumber? Yeah. Right. I, like um, I've been a homeowner before, and I've never like I've I've heard the term S for S, but. Never one, never enough to like commit to memory. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that question about the the cabinet doors style was just wrong. There's a lot of questions. This is the other one that I found, but it was a little bit too like broad. It's like, how much should you plan to spend on home maintenance each year if your home is worth three hundred thousand dollars? A lot. And the questions are zero, a thousand, three thousand, or thirty thousand. So it's like a percentage. You know, is it like ten percent or one percent or half a percent? I don't know. Ten percent sounds right. No, that's thirty thousand. Sorry, three thousand sounds right. So thirty thousand sounds excessive. I can't even like quick. Like, hey, yeah. So three thousand. Yeah, the spending doesn't stop when blah 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 blah. One percent. That's what it says. So there's the other one, but that one was a little bit. There was like I I could scroll through some of those questions, and I was like, eh, I don't know. I want to have more fun ones, but. Oh, well. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we're going to wrap up the podcast there. Um, did you find a recommendation? I, I think I'm going to do the one. Um, so it's a YouTube recommendation. And they don't produce a ton of content. Uh, but it's called ClickSpring. And they don't, they, you know, I'm going to go with the, the art of craftsmanship pattern of recommending people that don't need recommendations they don't need my recommendation they have six hundred and seventeen thousand subscribers yeah but it's they create some of the most intricate stuff i have ever seen on youtube and it is just a pleasure to watch um they they've only got like 84 videos out they just put one out about six days ago that i haven't watched quite yet what's that one about um, it says the Antikythera mechanism episode 11 inscribing. Anyways, it's a multi-step. I don't know. It's got 201,000 views in eight, six days. So, right. Anyways, just the most meticulous stuff. Like it's the stuff that they're creating is so fine and so detailed. And it, I can't even imagine aspiring to that. Like, you know, I, I look at some makers and, and notice, how precise they are on certain things. I'm like, Oh, I can, I can totally get there someday. Like, <laughs> you're right. You know, like the, the ability, what, what a, a mill would give me as far as giving me some precision and the ability to be more precise on, on what I'm making. But right. this, the click spring or click, is that click what I said? Spring. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Click spring. Just, it's so far out there. It's like, I, they are a master in what they do and yeah. it is phenomenal. Nice. Yeah, I've heard I've heard reference of Clickspring before multiple times from different places like big makers. I feel like I feel like Adam Savage has re- mentioned them. Jimmy I think Duress I found it through Adam them. Savage. Yeah. Yeah, so like and I just haven't 
I mean, I think I've looked before, but I don't know. I have to check it out, but apparently it's good stuff. All right. So my recommendation for this week is uh, the Virtual Craft Festival, which is actually on Saturday, which uh, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out is on Friday. So it's tomorrow morning, and I'm actually going to be one of the presenters for the Virtual Craft Festival. I will be presenting from 9 to 10 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning. Um, and that'll be over on YouTube, so you can just tune in there. I have a, a set live that'll that'll go live at 9 a.m., so I'll be doing that. And I'm going to be working on um, doing a prototype for a knife that I'm working on. So I'm going to make a wooden prototype, um, which is just kind of a fun process, and it's a different mindset of creating the final piece because you can make quick adjustments to a piece of wood. You can glue things on, you can cut things off, and you can really like um, kind of zero in on a shape that you want. And so I've done that for the last couple of knives I made and it's been really beneficial. So I'm going to show that process, but the two people um, who are kind of running that are Carl Jacobson and you can find him over on the woodshop.tv on Instagram at the woodshop.tv um, also on YouTube, Carl Jacobson. Um, so he's helping to run it. And then also uh, JP woodwork uh, let me sh- so that's Jamie page. His Instagram is at JP underscore woodwork. And he's a, another woodworker wood turner. Um, he reached out to me to uh, participate in this, this, uh, virtual craft festival. So that'll be on Wednesday. There'll be, there'll be 16 different makers, um, going an hour each. So an hour live all the way throughout the entire day. Wednesday so, or Saturday. Sorry. What did I say? Wednesday? You said Wednesday. It was weird. Sorry. Saturday. Okay. So that's Saturday. Um, and that's Saturday Eastern time starting. It's going to be starting if you're if you're in the um, if you're in the U.S. That'll be it's going to start at 5 a.m. and then go until 9 p.m. So every hour. So there'll be a live. Um, 5 a.m. is really early. It is really early, but they start it because like over in the U.K. and in Europe, that's like a normal time. Right. So they, they have some, some European makers who will do their early morning stuff, which is 5am. So that's like 10am here, you know, on the East coast for 5am in the UK. So, um, they have some, some early morning guys and then it'll be in the time where it's like kind of standard, like us time. So I'll be 9am and then there's a bunch of different makers. So I'll shout them all out. You can head over to YouTube and you can find, I did a community post there and post about it, um, with the different time slots and then uh, I also posted a little bit about it here on Instagram. So, you know, I just um, my most recent knife that I'm in the process of making, uh, I made a template of, and so I'm super excited to see your process for that because I felt the one the, the last couple that you've made, like I've gotten right. to hold them, but I wasn't around for how you made them. So, I'm curious how you do it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I and like... then you can come over and jump in my pool. <laughs> yes, I know it's so exciting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I'll be doing that. So check that out um, and check out both uh, Carl Jacobson and uh, Jamie Page on Instagram, JP Woodwork and uh, and Woodshop TV. Is that what it was? I forget. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's kind of fun. They're, they they've gotten some good makers on to do different stuff, and uh, it should be an interesting day. They'll be in and out, and and like it's going to be on. Like I said, it's going to be on YouTube. So. If you uh, if you're interested and you have some questions about what I'm doing for the uh, for the prototyping, pop in. You can ask questions or no. You're you're doing 
sorry, you're doing yours on YouTube. How can we yeah. find? <clears throat> how can we find? Is it one of these one of these channels that you just recommended? Is how we find all the rest of them? Um, so that's a good question. Um, so each, uh, so I don't know for sure. So there was an email. There was a, there was a website that was sent to me that I tried to go to that um, didn't really go to anything except for an old youtube video which was called um where is it i have it somewhere here um ba, 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 ba. let's see it was something like craft like virtual like crafty virtual crafty makers or something um uh, i don't know but that I will might, try to that find that might it. be useful information. <laughs> yeah, I'll find that out and I'll put it in the, in the, in the show notes below. Um, but yeah, so I think there's like supposed to be a website where you can find it. Um, otherwise I'll do my best to post the link. I have the links for all of the different channels and the time. So I will post that to Instagram the day before I'll post that tomorrow on Friday or when you're listening to this on Friday, it'll be posted there. So that way, if you want to, you know, pop on to an early one or whatever, you'll have the links to the channels. Cool. All of the, um, all of the lives will be through YouTube. Not all, apparently not all the makers have, um, you have to have a thousand subscribers on YouTube to be able to do a live stream. So there's another platform that helps to do a live stream through YouTube, even if you don't. So they can all be found through the link. So I'll post the links on, um, on the show notes here. And I'll also post them on Instagram for all the different uh, makers who are going to be participating in the festival. So I do cool. have that. So I have all, all of their links and the times when those links are. Um, and also there, the times are based off of the different, the time period. So there's um, GMT, EDT, PDT. I don't know what that means. Eastern, I don't know, but the different time slots, they have them all there. So depending on where you are, if you're in the UK or if you are in the, in the U S there'll be different time slots for um, that. And those, those times are all there. So you can check them out there. All right. Well, anything else? P PDT is just Pacific time. Pacific time. EDT is not anything. It should be EST, right? Eastern standard time. Well, so GMT. I, I don't know. I just looked it up and it's like PDT or EST and it would, Pacific. It's Pacific Daylight Time. Daylight. So Eastern Daylight Time as opposed to Savings Time? Eastern Standard. So oh, maybe that's the... it. Maybe because we're in Daylight Savings, it's Eastern Daylight Time, EDT. And when we fall back, it'll be Eastern Standard, standard Time. time. Uh, huh. I Learn that. new things every day. Yeah, crazy. I was already EST. So. Oddly enough, that like the PDT thing came up a while ago and I didn't have the energy to look it up at the time. I'm like, oh, I'm going to figure that out now. <laughs> it's amazing how you can no longer bullshit anyone because Google's right <laughs> in the palm of our hands. Seriously, save my marriage. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So I am many... I am 100% right until I am proven wrong, and Google makes that very fast now. Right, exactly. <laughs> There's just no reason to argue. Just do, okay, you're right. <laughs> I'm happy to say that. <laughs> Happens so so often for me. <laughs> so less often for my wife. She occasionally says you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think that women are less prone to standing their ground unless they really know they're right. 
I really know I'm right until I'm wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think men are, men are more stubborn. Now, obviously, that's a generalization, but like yeah. we're willing to like stand for what we think is right, even if we're like we're pretty much right. But like, like yeah, everything I've always been told is this one thing. All right. So is Devin coming back next week or do I, come, do I get to come back next week too? Uh, we'll see. So he may be recording with me earlier in the week. Um, it depends. He's got a really busy week and some stuff going on. So um, either he'll be back or we'll have Sean back again to co-host with us. So all right. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you don't already, please head over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Check out our videos and head over to uh, Crafting a Life I Want for Sean on YouTube as well. You can head over to Instagram. Find him there at Crafting a Life I Want on Instagram. And you can follow Devin and I both on Instagram. At the, art of ca- at the Art of Craftsmanship and at the Art of Camera Guy. Um, and if you want to support us any further, which would help out for the podcast and the channel and everything that we do, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash The Art of Craftsmanship or forward slash The, the Crafting Life I Want. Yes, no doubt, no, no, just no, Crafting, no, a, life crafting a Life I Want. So you can support all of us over there. So we're all just... Uh, Having fun making stuff and putting stuff out there for you guys to enjoy and um, any support that you give is greatly appreciated. So thank you all so much for those of our those are those patrons who already support us. Thank you all so much. And like I've said, for the last couple of weeks, we will have some things coming out. I am in the process of making some things to send to our patrons. So keep an eye out for that. I have reached out to you for your addresses and you know that. So things will be coming to you in the mail. Other than that, uh, that is all for this week. We will be back again next week. Either be Devin and I or Sean and I will be back again. And uh, we will have some more things, fun things to talk about, like always. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time.